Welcome to the Geek Centric Podcast. On this week's show, the next Avengers movie has landed its director. Disney Plus's Andor is getting pushed back, and now that the official trailer has been released, that's a real bummer. A24 rakes it in, and we'll see if Nate's nose grows when he lies about Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio looking good. So join us as we discuss all this and everything else that happened this week in Geek. Hello, my name is Kevin. If you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geek-Centric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys and collectibles, gaming, and all things Geek-Centric. We're back with another edition of This Week in Geek, where we look at all the latest news and trailers from the Geekiverse. Of course, I can't do this alone. Joining me on the show, there are a couple of rogues who are number one on my list. They're coming at you with takes more shocking than an M. Night Shyamalan twist. As always, we've got Nate joining us, and for his first ever Twig episode, my brother Darcy Hudson. How are we doing, gents? Uh, how was everyone's long weekend? It was good. I did a lot of chilling and board gaming with my friends. So, you know, in, in my books, that's a, that's a great weekend spent. That's a win, for sure. Yeah, that's it. Dude, I'm... Uh... With your intro there about the nose growing thing, I was a little bit upset. But now that I know that I'm your rogue one, your rogue one and only, uh, then I am. Uh, you, you got me back. You got me back on the on the show. Oh, good. I I did seem to uh, maybe cross the line there. <laughs> um, I do look forward to discussing that trailer a little bit later on. Yeah. Uh, for myself, uh, Sarah and I, uh, with the help of our lovely Justin Lawrence, did a uh, our maternity photo shoot. Yeah. Uh, and we got those pictures uh, back really quickly, and they're uh, up on the internets for for everyone to see. And I think they turned out really, really well. It's it's always nice when you have a vision for something, and it and it goes exactly to plan. But uh, I find when I'm working with Justin, he can he can generally bring those visions to life for me. Yeah, there's yeah. Uh, you, you know you you and Sarah, you never do anything by the books, and uh, you know you've got all these themed uh, photos as well. And I was really hoping that you were going to give them to your mom, Kevin, and just show her the non-normal ones and just say, that's it. That's all we took. And I just see her in tears. Um, but no, you definitely you definitely nailed it. I, I will say, though, the one that just I can't look at for too long because it just throws me off is the Trailer Park Boys one where Sarah, what character is Sarah portraying there? She's uh, she's Randy there. Randy eating, eating, eating a cheeseburger like uh, only Randy can. The hairy, the hairy chest and the the nipples. It's just it, I wasn't sure whether I should be like intrigued, aroused, disgusted. Like I it was I was feeling a range of emotions uh, looking at that picture. But uh, but yeah, I do think the rest of them are pretty fantastic. Uh, to me, the standout is definitely Penguin. That is yes, awesome. I I love it. It turned out so well. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, we, we kept it classy and, and, you know, I think, you know, originally I think my mom even would have thought that we would have had like bile coming from Sarah's mouth as the, <laughs> the character. And we definitely uh, avoided that. But what was neat was uh, the official Trailer Park Boys account has already retweeted uh, a picture that oh, nice. I tagged them in for the with the, the Randy and, and Ricky picture. So that was cool. I've gotten for over 100 likes, which on Twitter for me is wow. just unheard of. That's <laughs> 
that's viral essentially i can probably guarantee that uh, the guy the trailer park guys did not ever expect that their likenesses would be used for something like this <laughs> and i think that's why it's going so far it's so again right up kevin and sarah alley so it's it's perfect for you two <laughs> No, it definitely turned out uh, really, really well. But uh, we've got a ton to jump into on the show. So why don't we get the show on the road and take a look at the news. It's all about the details. Alrighty, our first story comes from Ben Silviero at Slash Film. Everything, everywhere, all at once has become the most successful A24 film to date. Thanks to rave reviews and uh, really... To uh, strong word of mouth, the film is held strong at the box office and eventually became indie hitmaker A24's highest grossing movie of all time. Following a recent return to theaters for another limited run, with all new introduction from the directors and eight minutes of outtakes, the critically acclaimed tale of an exasperated laundromat uh, owner who learns that she is the key to saving the multiverse has racked up another milestone for the studio. Now, the film starring Michelle Yeoh, Kehu Kwan, Stephanie Su, and Jamie Lee Curtis has earned the distinction of being a, the first A24 project to hit $100 million at wow. the global box office. Given that the film was made uh, on a budget of $25 million, that's huge for the studio to have quadrupled those uh, those costs. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's not just performed really well in the States, but it's done well in the United Kingdom where it's made 6.2 million here in Canada. It's made 5.1 million. So it really is a, a global sort of uh, milestone that uh, that's happening here. Uh, the previous uh, top earner for A24 uh, was Hereditary, which topped off at about $80 million worldwide, uh, followed by Lady Bird at 78 million and Oscar winning Moonlight at 65 million. Uh, but so the success of Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, is also paired with uh, the the relative success of Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, uh, which has brought in over $4 million to date on a really, really small budget. So A24 is having one hell of a year and they still have three movies to come. So uh, safe to say this is definitely a benchmark year for the, the studio. Um, so I just wanted to know, Nate, I know you've have you seen the movie yet? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A few times. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Now, Darce, I know you haven't. No. I. Everyone I know has told me to go see it. So like, just hearing that it's now the number one earner definitely makes me want to, again, make sure I get out to go see it this time or see it as soon as possible because I've only heard good things. And I love me a multiverse story. Well, and, and given you know that there were a few this year, I think this is certainly the best multiverse movie uh of this year at least and it's really great for an actress like michelle Yeoh to finally have this role that you know is is really sort of introducing her maybe to new audiences but also just sort of putting some respect on that name you know what i mean when you can lead a vehicle like this to the success that it's had and and really i think squashed maybe some uh ideas that people might have had about what kind of role she could play i think uh, the movie's just done really well for her as well as kihu kwan uh, who we would know uh, from the Goonies and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, he's sort of had a resurgence with this movie, and it's going to be exciting to see what he chooses to do next. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the most exciting part about this news is, you know, I think studios uh, outside of A24 are seeing this movie 
and and seeing the fact that you know it's not just that that multiverse things are are hot right now um it's the it's the heart that went into the movie the people that make it how much they actually care seeing interviews done with the daniels uh seeing interviews done with uh kihei kwan uh, as well um you know shout out to untitled movie podcast uh they did a wonderful interview with him and just seeing how how excited he was to be uh, not only back in a movie, but in this movie in particular, I think just speaks volumes for you know why this movie was so successful or is so successful um, and continues to be. And I think it's it's again, I I can't wait, like you said, to see what they're going to do next, uh, both the Daniels as well as everyone in this cast. Um, and I just think again, it, it's it's one of those really interesting things where the the there was really not a ton of marketing for this movie. It was all word of mouth. And I think A24 has kind of found this strange uh, pocket of marketing where that works for them. I think it's the same thing with Marcel the Shell with Shoes on. I've, you know, I got uh, eight people from my work to come see this movie about a little shell. And some of them, <laughs> like maybe two of them, were old enough like me to know where the original uh, short film came from on YouTube. Um, and the rest of them were just like, what are we about to watch? Something with a shell? Like, what are... And by the end of it, everyone's walking out with tears in their eyes and and just how lovely the movie was. And um, I think it's it's kind of the same idea with, with Everything Everywhere. It's just these movies have a way of uh, sort of poking through the the zeitgeist poking through the the general population by word of mouth and that's that's so impressive because it's easy for a movie like a marvel movie to make huge money because it's freaking marvel a24 you know a, a lot of folks don't even know what a24 is you know a lot of non-cinemaphiles uh don't really know about a24 so to get this kind of uh, out in the open i think it really is is going to be fantastic and I'm excited for this movie as well as the rest of uh, A24's film slate to come to uh, HBO Max and I guess in Crave in Canada, I'm hoping, um, to be able to watch these. And I think that'll only push them even further towards uh, being more accessible because I think I think that's the only thing I will say that shocks me about this is how they release their movies. And they're smart about it because they release them in very limited runs at first and then widen up and widen up and widen up. Like with Marcel the Shell, I, I didn't get a chance to see that till well after the initial screeners were put out because they only released it in certain theaters in the States for the longest time. And then a little bit in Canada. And I'm out here in Nova Scotia and I'm like, well, I'll never get to see this movie in theaters. And thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, it did hit its wide release. But again, it's it's just I hope I hope this starts to give A24 a little bit more confidence to be able to say, hey, listen, we don't need to take that approach necessarily. We we believe wholeheartedly in this, that we can push this to a major uh, release right away. And uh, and that would be really cool. I think it would be really killer. I think I think part of their success here is, you know, they, they've been known for a few years for making arguably the best horror movie of any given year that they, they released the movie. And I think now with a movie like everything everywhere or even marcel the, the the shell it's a bit more um uh easy for just general audiences to embrace it's not just a horror crowd and so i think that's going to just help with making a24 a bit more of that household name that the uh, the bigger studios uh have uh you know as long as they don't uh uh you know jeopardize or or put put the the quality of their work at, at stake there um but if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. And if you can, 
rent it to support. We need to support little uh, the the independent uh, brands and make sure that they can compete with the big uh, the big juggernauts like we're about to talk about in our next story. Uh, that's because we're going to talk about a movie that will likely make close to a couple billion dollars rather <laughs> than celebrate a hundred million at the box office. Uh, this story comes from Boris Kitt over at the Hollywood Reporter. Since the climactic wrap-up of 2019's Avengers Endgame, which closed a chapter of the Marvel Cinematic Universe known as the Infinity Saga, engrossed almost $2.8 billion worldwide, Marvel Studios has focused on introducing new heroes and pushing ahead with sequels, starring some of its top characters. But as re uh, revealed by Kevin Feige at Marvel's Saturday presentation at San Diego Comic-Con, the Avengers are assembling once again with back-to-back -back movies set for 2025, and while there are many other movies that will hit before that, the studio is already moving ahead creatively with at least one of the super team tent poles. Dustin Daniel Cretton, or Cretton, who helmed last year's Marvel hit Shang-Chi Shang and the Legend of the Ten Rings, has come aboard to direct Avengers The Kang Dynasty, uh, The Hollywood Reporter can exclusively reveal. Cretton is uh, already well engrossed in the Marvel family. In addition to directing Shang-Chi, which grossed $432 million worldwide, he's an overall deal with Marvel that he signed in the wake of Shang-Chi's success. As part of that, he's developing with Andrew Guest um, a live-action series featuring Wonder Man that he will exec produce and possibly direct an episode or more of. He also has a Shang-Chi sequel in the works. Directing an Avengers movie is one of the most high-profile jobs in Hollywood. Joss Whedon, of course, helmed the first two Avengers movies. Uh, and then Joe and Anthony Russo filmed the epic two-parter Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Two uh, unbelievable, staggering success. Uh, so what do we think of the, the, the news to bring in uh, the director of Shang-Chi here for what is arguably going to be a much bigger uh, production than than Shang-Chi was. I personally am really looking forward to it. I, I really enjoyed the direction he took Shang-Chi in and, and a lot of the visuals and, and ideas he brought to the screen really felt very much comic book based and, and that's kind of what these movies are, obviously. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with the whole Avenger uh, lineup and also I'm looking forward to seeing how he explores Kang's character because we saw that he had a way of telling Wenwu's story at the same time as Shang-Chi's story and going back and forth mm -hmm. kind of through the ages and stuff like that. And with Kang the, Kang the Conqueror being the master of time travel, I think it'd be cool to see how he tells that story throughout this, you know, epic battle of uh, Avengers versus the Time Master type thing. And it leads me to wonder if he'll be heading up uh, Secret Wars as well. Uh, wondering if there's going to be those two movies are going to be connected at all. I think it'd be interesting again, very early on to see, but uh, if he's involved with both, I have high hopes. Yeah. See, I, I kind of agree with you and disagree with you, Darcy, on the aspect of wanting to be involved on both. I, part of me wants that continuity, right? Right. We we've seen in our, our epic sagas in the past, how damaging it can be to bring on one director, then a different one, then another one for a, a series of films. And that's, I mean, that is what the MCU is, whether whether or not they're directly tied together or they are, you know, they're all in the same universe. So for him to be doing Secret Wars, I think would be great from a, a continuity standpoint for the feeling and tone of the movies. I, the only thing that worries me is, and, and I, don't get me wrong, I don't know if I've seen enough of his movies to sort of uh, make this uh, this call, but I... 
I'm just a little worried because you're right. During the very first half of Shang-Chi, he absolutely nails Wenwu and Shang's storyline uh, to the point where you could see like a Kang dynasty, like an older Kang and a younger Kang and, and you know, multiple of Kangs. But it's, it's still central to the storyline of this main character of Kang. It, it does sort of worry me, you know, because I think the second half of Shang-Chi where he had to open up, he had to give us a story of Talo, he had to give us a story of so much more going on where the movie sort of loses its way. I'd be worried about him handling a Secret Wars where you've got to, like, handle so many characters in a massive cast like that. That would be the only thing that would sort of hold me back from wanting him to to direct that. So I'm kind of torn on that that idea of him doing both. Um, and I, I don't know, I'm... I'm I'm, I am really excited, though, for what he can bring to to at least uh, Kang the Conqueror. Yeah, and you, you, you kind of sold me on him, Darfs, just in that I think the elements that did work really well in Shang-Chi are going to be important sort of story tentpoles for the, 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 the Kang Avengers movie. Uh, but with Secret Wars, I think that's just such a huge project. I don't know if anybody can do it other than the Russo brothers coming back, and yeah. I know they've expressed interest in if marvel were to have ever gotten to that point which uh here we are in just a few short years we'll be there uh i think it's got to be the russos again just to sort of they can manage a hundred characters on screen all at once and that's what it's going to take that is no easy feat that's for sure and i think they're they're a they're a trusted brand you know even if even if uh the majority of you know, uh, the the average casual Marvel fan doesn't necessarily know the name the Rousseau brothers. Um, here, seeing, you know, from the directors of, you know, Endgame, right? Like, there you go. That's it. Everyone's already bought their ticket. I mean, it's Avengers. Everyone's already bought their ticket. But, <laughs> but, but to sell it even more, um, I think, I think that's a, that's a, a great call. I am. I will say. Based on the past few things we've gotten from the Russo brothers outside the Marvel universe, I'm a little bit um, soured uh, on, on their directing <laughs> style. Uh, but listen, if they're going to give us Endgame two, essentially, um, then I'm totally down for it. If even if it's, I mean, I can only imagine it's going to be bigger uh, than Endgame. So, well, yeah, Darcy, you're the uh, you're the the, the comics guy. Uh, is that a bigger sort of storyline than even? Uh... I mean, the way that they're setting up Kang and then going right into Secret Wars is definitely comic inspired. I mean, a while ago, Marvel kind of blew up their whole universe and took what worked from all these you know universes and stuck them together in this battle world. And the pe- person who was behind that was Kang the Conqueror, uh, which then led into the more recent version of Secret Wars, where it was different universes battling to save their their own universe and kind of find a place in the main timeline type thing so uh definitely going to be connection between the two movies for sure i'm wondering if we'll see in kang Kang dynasty like the world you know that that timeline uh war come to such a point where they he's gonna have to step in and save what what remains type thing i think it'd be that would set up for the Secret Wars timeline and, again, would be drawing heavily from the comics that recently came out, which seems to be the era that they're really looking to for uh, a lot of inspiration in their recent movies. And I do think it'll be interesting to see if uh, if DDC, uh, as he's being called on Twitter, uh, shows up uh, you know, on the set of Loki season two, I think would make a lot of sense if we see mm-hmm. him maybe direct an episode there. I think it would also make a lot of sense uh, to see him on the set of Quantum Mania. Um, or, or if we're, you know, if we see uh, behind the scenes footage of him uh, working with Jonathan Majors there, because again, I do, I, I, I think I love the idea of him sort of 
owning that character alongside Jonathan Majors. If he is going to be directing the Kang Dynasty, um, I want to see like a very, very strong through point uh, through the MCU with that relationship. And uh, I think it's going to happen. I think I think Marvel knows what they're doing. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm I just I, can't, I still can't get over like how much how much marvel we have coming it's like we're just completely spoiled it will it will never it'll never end um and i'm i'm just so happy about it i mean that's the crazy thing is sure we have to wait three years for the movies we're talking about to come out but there's so so much that's going to happen uh in between now and then uh something that's going to happen much much sooner although not as soon as we were originally hoping (laughs) Uh, is the Andor show from Disney+. Plus? This story comes from Maggie Levitt at Collider. During an interview with Good Morning America this morning to celebrate what would have been the launch month for Andor, Diego Luna revealed that the series has been pushed back to September to accommodate a three-episode premiere rather than the previously announced two-episode premiere, which was set to arrive on August 31st. Now the Rogue One prequel series will debut on Disney+, Plus on September 21st. Andor is set during the early days of the Rebellion and will focus on Cassian Endor's revelation that he can make a change in the galaxy. According to the official description of the series, it brings forward the tale of the burgeoning rebellion against the Empire and how people and planets will be, uh, became involved. It's an era filled with danger, deception, and intrigue where Cassian will embark on the path that is destined to turn him into a rebel hero. The shift makes sense when you look at the writers and directors attached to the first three episodes. Toby Haynes directed the first three episodes, with the series showrunner uh, showrunner Tony Gilroy penning the scripts. Perhaps these first three episodes are so connected that the the streamer decided it would be better to deliver a three-episode premiere event. So uh, we've we've sort of seen Disney Plus adjust schedules and whatnot in the past. Um, So obviously with the the, uh, trailer coming out for the show recently, which we'll talk about in just a few minutes, Mm -hmm. uh, I thought it looked great and got me very excited. So it's obviously a bit disappointing, but I always like to trust their judgment. And if they see the show working better with the three episode premiere, then then I guess, you know, it'll be worth the wait. I think this makes a lot of sense. I think. You know, we saw the overlap of Obi-Wan and Miss Marvel and what that did to Miss Marvel, uh, unfortunately. And, and it's such a shame because I think, I, I, well, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough call to say which one is uh, a better series. But, you know, I, I, think, I think it would have almost been the other way around uh, between She-Hulk and uh, Andor. I think maybe they were a little bit worried that She-Hulk would overtake Andor uh, in this instance, and I, I definitely think that would be the case, um, just given the popularity of of Hulk and and the Hulk brand and everything. So um, I it's I think it's a smart call. I think this puts them. If my math is right, it it only it's only the finale that we have to worry about in terms of them overlapping. Um, but otherwise, we we you know we'll be in the clear, um, and it'll also I think you know it's a nice thing for for us and for other <laughs> press uh, to cover it in in and not have to do the double back to back thing again because uh, that's not the easiest thing for you know us to do with the weekly coverage. Um, so I I I'm I'm very happy that Disney did make this call as much as I want to see this show as much as I want to you know dive right into this story because I love Rogue One um, I think this was this was a smart choice yeah and I definitely am thinking that that everything you said there obviously makes sense but I also feel like that pacing thing that Kevin brought up 
is a, also a factor they, they thought about because at least from my point of view, one of the issues I have with a lot of these Disney plus uh, series is that the pacing feels so off waiting for that week between to see the conclusion or whatever from the previous week's episode. So again, I'm hoping that these three are very interconnected and, and will, will feature, uh, will view as like a, a movie almost a, a prequel series or prequel movie almost to the series that we're going to get uh, in season two or later on in season one type thing. So yeah, I, to me, pacing, I think is, I hope, or I mean, makes the most sense to me in terms of why they'd want to, you know, go one, two, three on one day. And I think with 12 episodes in the season, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, um, I, you know, it, it almost could have been, I almost wonder if they could have tried to do, a full series release. I don't know what the production in terms of like the, cause I know sometimes, sometimes Disney is like adding the last touches to these shows, like the week it comes out. So I don't know. I don't know what the production is like on Andor in that regard. Um, but I, you know, I'm wondering if Disney will ever, you know, we, we we're getting two episode drops, we're getting three episode drops. I'm wondering if Disney will ever play with the idea with one of these major series of doing a, a full season release. You know, I'm, you know, we got daredevil coming up, uh, with you know, born again with eighteen episodes. Um, I'm wondering if if they do try the the Netflix thing. I, I I don't think it's the right idea, but I'm just wondering if if that is something that they might ever attempt, uh, just to see how it goes with with some of this more binge worthy content. Right, that will definitely be uh, very interesting to see. Now, I was just looking it up because I was curious. Uh, we'll have three weeks of overlap. It looks like between oh, uh, She Hulk <laughs> and Andor. Um, so. It doesn't seem like they've completely avoided it, mm-hmm. but uh, I think running the shows simultaneously, basically at the exact same time, yeah, Marvel and, and She-Hulk would have the, the, the clear advantage there. Mm-hmm. So a little separation will probably help get a few more eyes on Andor, and hopefully it lives up to uh, the expectations that we have. Uh, and so, of course, it's a bummer that the show's getting pushed back by about 22 days, considering how good the trailer looks. Uh, speaking of which, I think it's time to shift gears because it's trailer time. All right. And so our first trailer is for the Disney Plus show Andor. Uh, again, an upcoming television series created by Tony Gilroy for the streaming service Disney Plus. It's a prequel to the Star Wars spinoff film Road One. Uh, and in the series, uh, it, it follows thief turned rebel spy Cassian Endor during the five years before the events of the film, uh, Diego Luna executive produces and reprises his Rogue One role. Uh, Genevieve O'Reilly, Stellan Skarsgård, Adria Arjona, Denise Gouge, uh, Kyle Soler, and Fiona Shaw also star. Uh, beginning five years before the events of Rogue One, the series follows an ensemble cast of characters during the time that a rebel alliance is forming in opposition to the Galactic Empire. One of these characters is Cassian Andor, a thief who becomes a revolutionary and eventually joins the rebellion. The first 12 episode season of Andor will premiere on Disney Plus on September 21st, 2022, which is with its first three episodes as we discussed. Um, and then the rest of the episodes will release weekly until November 23rd. A second 12 episode season is in development, which will conclude the series and lead right into the events of Rogue One. So what are our thoughts on the uh, the official trailer and the vibe the show gives off. Yeah, I mean, Darcy, I think we can sort of attest to the fact that this is a different trailer uh, than we 100%. got at uh, Star Wars Celebration. This is very different. And uh, I'm, I'm loving the look of it, the scale of it. I think it was recently revealed from series creator Tony Gilroy that 
the show was not shot on the volume, uh, which makes this one of the first, uh, or I guess the first, uh, Star Wars live action series on Disney Plus that they didn't they didn't use the volume for the most part. There might have been some areas, but most of these were shot on location. I think uh, we see the Scotland Highlands in this trailer at the very beginning, and I just love the the sense of scale like that. When that Star Destroyer comes over top, it's absolutely incredible because, you know, I think we get a sense of how small the the rebellion is at this point. But to literally see a massive ship dwarf the Scottish Highlands, uh, I think only adds to that sort of uh, visual of of like, yeah, you're, you're nothing. You are nothing. We don't even know you're there. Um, and that obviously, I think in this series will work to their advantage but um yeah man so different and the music i think was the other thing i wanted to just quickly shout out succession composer nicholas Bertel, uh i think is such a fitting choice the show is being described as a political thriller so i think that makes absolute sense and i just it was so different like that's the biggest that's the biggest word between or the two words i think i would use with this trailer are different and mature i think are the two things that i'm really getting from this this series and from this trailer yeah, I mean, uh, Justin and I were talking about it off air and we kind of concluded that it looks less Star Wars than I think anything we've seen yeah. um, in especially the Disney Plus or the Disney era of Star Wars. Uh, it looks almost very Blade Runner. Oh, you know, yeah. It's very, it's very sci-fi, uh, but not just your typical Star Wars. And if I don't see a single lightsaber or men- mention of a Jedi and all, I, I, I'll be so happy that it, it'll <laughs> truly be something different. Because yeah. I think I think we need that, and I think the show will work better if it's focusing more on, you know, your regular Joes mm-hmm. uh, doing things instead of these incredible heroes. I, I think the fact that it's the fact that it's being called a political thriller or spy thriller or something like that will definitely speak to the fact that they don't have Jedi, because we know that Jedi at this point are still in hiding and thought to be extinct and stuff like that. So if we're focusing on what looks to be a couple senators with still in Skarsgård's character, looking like he also has a role in the uh, Galactic Senate or whatever there, maybe this is going to be um, like the guys who realize that what that what's going on is wrong and their steps to put together this team that will become the rebels, which I mean, seems really cool. I think there's a lot of parallels between Andor's character and Han Solo, obviously uh, being the smuggler who didn't want anything to do with the rebellion later on. And now we have a thief going through the same thing, except I feel like we're going to be seeing more of his journey from thief to the rebellion hero that he becomes in rogue one. So I'm really looking forward to the series. Oh, seeing and seeing for Whitaker, Prizes were a saw Guerrero too. It's like I'm excited for that as well. Like the fact that a lot of these characters, you know how it ends for them. This story still excites me because it's a it's a time of the empire that is still very uh, unexplored and, and new to us. So I'm looking forward to every second of it. Well, seeing yeah, dude, seeing Saw Guerrero and his partisans and like that black looking X wing that's like all blacked out beside uh, I think Edrio two tubes or his brother or whatever standing there. Absolutely mm-hmm. badass. I'm wondering if this is going to be where maybe whether it's this season or the next season where we get to see whatever accident happens to Saw Gerrera that causes his health decline and his breathing issues. Um, and going back to the Senate, it's so funny that like we see an image of the Senate and it's like the one thing that Star Wars fans complained about but the prequels for so long of like, oh, politics, the Senate, uh, George Lucas, this is supposed to be for kids and he's talking about the Trade Federation. And yet we see the Senate and we're like, oh, it's the Senate. <laughs> we're so excited. Um, I do think it's really cool seeing that. I love how they've rebuilt 
built it. I love how the Imperial logo is at the base of it. Uh, if you caught that, it's really cool. It just goes to show that like Yoda and Palpatine probably had their fight, and then they they like, well, well, while we're here, we might as well add the Imperial logo at the bottom. Um, and so they they cleaned it up a little bit. But I think you're right. I, I'm super stoked to see Mon Mothma. I think in this show, I think she's going to be playing a major character, and I'm I'm really excited to see how she deals with like. She's like right under the nose of Palpatine and he's force sensitive. And so I, I, whether or not we get to actually see him in this series, I, I don't think they I don't know if they'll go that far um, or just imply his presence. But I do I do think that her journey is going to be really exciting because honestly, we outside of like the animated series, we haven't really gotten to spend a ton of time with Mon Mothma herself, and I think she's a she. She has the opportunity to be a really compelling character. Well, I just I just know that I'm I'm a little disappointed that there's been no mention of uh, Alan Tudyk yet. Um, maybe that's a season two thing, right? I don't think you can do this show without K two S O, and so hopefully something uh, arises at some point. There have been production stills of at least his droid type, so we know that they're going to be a part of this series. Um, I'm almost wondering if like. Like in the trailer, there's like a, a brief moment where we see like a factory line. So maybe they're building them there, possibly. I mean, we also see Andor like saying he's sneaking in. He's ran underneath their noses. So I wouldn't be surprised if one of these first missions that he runs for the Rebels gets him this K2SO companion that he then goes on to go on all these Rebel adventures with. I, I mean, definitely seems like there's an origin story for that character there, too. Because, again, you can't tell a fun story without him he was one of the best parts of of rogue one and i hope to see some of that carry over to what could be a very otherwise uh dry and bleak uh political thriller series <laughs> but i think it's going to be interesting for for a lot of our star wars fans out there i mean kevin i think we've talked extensively about your feelings of some of the different movies where you felt like they weren't as much of a, a fun adventure. And I think fun is an element to Star Wars that a lot of people need. Um, so I mean, I'm wondering just be, with the fact that this show is like, I, it'll, I think it'll still be Star Wars, but this trailer is giving so many vibes that it's going to be very, very mature, very dark, very different, especially this where we are in the timeline. It's going to be tough to be cracking cracking jokes around. So bringing a K two S O into the show as soon as they possibly could, I think would would be a great call because I think to to get that fun adventure aspect to it, I think he's the only one that with his his dry humor that we possibly could. But it's definitely this is a, a transition. You know, I think it's even cool we get to see clone troopers. Uh, at the beginning of this trailer, and then at the end of the trailer, we're seeing stormtroopers. So I think we're going to literally get to see that side of things. And I just think it's, I, I think this is going to give us almost like a Game of Thrones version of Star Wars, which is kind of what I wanted for for the Boba Fett series. I thought we were going to get there. We talked about the fact that like, oh, what if they just drop the entire table of all the <laughs> all the the major players into the Rancor pit? Uh, and obviously that didn't happen. Uh, and that show got nowhere near as dark as I, I wanted it to. But I feel like with them showing all these different characters, I mean, you watch this trailer and or Cassian, Cassian himself gets like the least amount of dialogue. Like we've got all these other major players um, with with all these different lines of dialogue, and it's going to be exciting to see these characters on both sides. And I think that was my favorite thing about 
uh, Rogue One is the fact that we got to see the humanization of the the you know the ISB uh, you know uh, characters, or we got to see you know maybe I wonder if we'll get to see any from the anyone from the direct military boots on the ground as you know maybe they flip sides or something like that would be really cool. And so um, I'm excited for it. I, speaking of Game of Thrones, uh, Anton Lesser who plays Kyburn uh, in Game of Thrones, is an ISB agent, which I think is absolutely perfect. <laughs> like, it's such a perfect casting. Um, but yeah, man, I'm so excited. Uh, the battles in the sky, you know, in the clouds, I think outside of that one episode of Mandalorian where he does that dope thing where Grogu throws up, <laughs> we haven't really gotten to see <laughs> too much of, like, cloud-based battles um which i just i don't know man i'm i'm it's it's so funny the things that i get excited about at this point in my star wars life um but i'm i can't wait man this trailer looked badass it does and i think this is the perfect sort of opportunity to take a chance because it's a prequel show i don't think as much rests on the shoulders of the film really resonating with fans because it's not like a franchise will be built from this this is sort of a two seasons mm -hmm. and it's done and it leads. So you can you can go a bit off off, you know, the the beaten path here and, and try something different. And it looks like they're going to do that. And so very, very excited I, for that. I have one more thing before we move on. I'm so sorry. I'm sure. just I Rogue One, honestly, is so much better than Solo. And uh, and I <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, honestly, um, the Maz Kanata looking character at the near the end of the trailer. It's not Maz Kanata. It's, I don't think it's her species. Uh, it kind of looked a little bit Ardinian with like the the four different arms, but um, I don't think it was that either. But um, uh, there's a character on the operating table and it's just it's not. It's not. But if you look at him, he looks so much like Cal Kestis. He looks so much like Cal Kestis. And then, like, is it him? <laughs> I mean, I got Cal Kestis vibes when they were at that scrapyard earlier in the, right? in the thing. where The guys are wearing, like, almost the same gear that he wears, like, his whole crew wears. But again, we, we, me and you could probably talk for a whole hour about that trailer <laughs> alone. I'm sure Kev has some, some other trailers to talk about, so. Fine. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> well, I, I assure you, I would much rather continue to talk about Andor as I'm excited for that. Uh, and I am not so excited for oh, no. the, uh, the trailer for our next movie here. Um, it is for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which is an upcoming stop motion animated musical fantasy film directed by Guillermo del Toro and Mark Gustafson based on Gris Grimley's design from his 2002 edition of the 1883 Italian novel. The Adventures of Pinocchio by Carlo Collodi. Uh, it marks the animated feature film directorial debut of Del Toro. The film was written by Del Toro and Patrick McHale and stars the voices of Ewan McGregor, David Bradley, Gregory Mann, Finn Wolfhard, Kate Blanchett, John Turturro, Ron Perlman, Tim Blake Nelson, Bern Gorman, Christoph Waltz, and Tilda Swinton. Uh, so just an absolutely stacked cast mm -hmm. there. The movie is a retelling of the famous fairy tale about a wooden puppet who comes to life and dreams of becoming a real boy. Uh, it takes place in 1930s fascist Italy. When Pinocchio comes to life, however, he turns out to uh, not to be a nice boy, but instead the opposite, causing mischief and playing mean tricks. But at its core, Pinocchio is a story of love and disobedience as Pinocchio struggles to live up to his father's expectations, learning the true meaning of life. Pinocchio is scheduled to be released in select theaters in November 2022, followed by its stream release on Netflix in December. It's one of three 2022 Pinocchio-based <laughs> films, the others being Pinocchio, A True Story, and the Disney live-action adaptation. Uh, so what did we think of 
uh, the, the, the trailer here. I just, I have to say the art, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the art style here. I thought it looked ugly. Really? Just an ugly looking movie. I kind of feel like that's the point though. I mean, you know, you are not a, such a nice boy, Pinocchio. Like, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's what they're going for. I think they're going for the darker, the gritty. Um, Guillermo del Toro, apparently, when the project was announced, he was, he did like an interview and he said it's like a passion project for him. He said, that no art has art form has influenced his life or uh, his work more uh, than animation, and that no single character in history has a deep personal connection to him as Pinocchio. So, with how much he's so into the character of Pinocchio, um, I think this is going to be really good. I, 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 you know, I'm stoked for you and McGregor as Jiminy Cricket being this sort of unseen narrator. I, I, I imagine he's going to kind of help. Pinocchio along with his journey maybe in the moments where he can't talk yet or or what have you but I just I don't know man like this is this if this is going to be a different telling than the one done by Disney uh, given that it's Guillermo del Toro given that it's Netflix having you know I think Darcy you and I recently went on the ride Pinocchio at Disneyland and I think we both came off that ride like was that movie that dark? Like, I didn't remember it being that dark. So if the Disney version is that dark, Kevin, yeah, they're going to give us an ugly, gritty, dark, you know, fascist 1930s look at Pinocchio. And I'm I'm all for it, dude. Give me a different version of the story. Honestly, I was pretty excited when I saw this trailer. I think I'm more looking forward to this one than the Disney release. And yeah. a lot of it comes from the fact that one of my favorite movies growing up was James and the Giant Peach. And the animation style of that movie mm -hmm. really brings to mind what we're seeing in this trailer. So I am all for that style of, of stop motion. And I, I'm really looking forward to this this telling. Because again, it's a different story. So even like you mentioned Ewan McGregor playing Jiminy Cricket, but that's not the name in the regular Pinocchio story. It's some other thing. So like this is completely... Ewan McGregor's actually playing Sebastian J. Cricket. There you go. Yes. There we go. So, so like it's a complete... Yeah. It's a completely different story than what we're used to. And I think, again, I am I know the story of Pinocchio as Disney knows it. So it'd be cool to see what, what how Guillermo tells this story. So I, uh, I'm i really looking forward to it. Yeah. I think you guys are crazy. <laughs> how could you not choose the one with Tom Hanks as Geppetto all day? Because David day. Bradley as Geppetto sounds amazing. Yeah. I mean, give me uh, Argus yeah. Filch or uh, the head of uh, the Frey family. Like, yeah, I've that is a Geppetto I want to I've hear. always looked at David Bradley and thought, I want him to be a nice, fun uncle, grandpa guy. Like, <laughs> Um, but no, I, 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 you know, Guillermo del Toro has been trying to make this movie for 10 years, Kevin, 10 years. Yes, has I taken... know. It's, it was in development hell throughout the early 2010s Crazy. and, uh, finally got on track. I mean, as great an idea as it is to have somebody like you and McGregor sort of be your narrator through the commercial, because it's just, just such a comforting voice that everybody knows and recognizes. Yeah. I do think they would have been better off showing off a bit more of the cast. Mm. In that trailer, I think that might have helped get ex me more excited. Just looking at the IMDb page alone gets me a bit more amped up for it uh, than the actual trailer. So I, I would say that's where it sort of misfired a little. Just not showing off the the awesome cast of, of actors you have going for it. I find it funny that we're getting so much Pinocchio. Uh, <laughs> like Not only these movies, but recently one of my friends uh, who's a big gamer was saying that she was looking forward to an upcoming game called Live, Lives of P or Li Life of P. And it's basically a uh, like a a Bloodborne style adventure game where you're playing as Pinocchio trying to battle your way through this clockwork Victorian era. And it's just... 
a lot of love for Pinocchio going around right now, and oh, I'm just wondering lies, why that is. Lies of P, I think is that's it. Yeah. Lies of P, yes. <laughs> it sounds really interesting, and I'm like, I am also excited for that too. I Dude. guess I never thought I could be so excited for Pinocchio stuff. Well, I'm honestly just waiting for uh, the the Pinocchio cinematic multiverse. I think get all these Pinocchios together. <laughs> Make a multiverse movie. I mean, are you listening, uh, A24? Come on, Disney. Any I of mean, you, Marvel? Is, talking to A24, there is a Pinocchio series where he's a vampire hunter, and it is Dude. an incredible comic book series. I highly recommend anyone checking that out. But again, there's so much Pinocchio out yeah. there. I Wait, mean. he's a vampire hunter. Does he lie and then stake them with his nose? Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. The whole thing is that the trees that were used to make this puppet were at the foot of the hill where Vlad the Impaler was killed, and that That's gave him incredible. vampire slaying abilities. That's it's incredible. Just, Pinocchio apparently is is much loved by a lot of people. Yeah. There are this many iterations and tellings of his story. Yeah, so, Kevin, uh, get on the get I on the Pinocchio honest, train. That's the version Kevin. I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the version I okay. want to see. Staking them with his nose after a lie. That sounds <laughs> awesome. Uh, it sounds like it might almost fit into uh, our third and final movie that we're going to be talking about, too. Uh, that's because our final trailer is for Spirit Halloween, the movie. Everybody wanted it. Here we are. Oh, no. It looks like something. Uh, it's an upcoming <laughs> film directed by David Poag in his featured directorial debut. Mm. It's produced in partnership with the Spirit Halloween retailer. Uh, the film stars Christopher Lloyd and Rachel Lee Cook and follows three middle schoolers who find themselves locked in a Spirit Halloween store on Halloween night. Spirit Halloween, the movie, is set to be released on video on demand on October 11th, 2022. Does it star Christopher Lloyd, though? Because I know he's in it for a scene, but like... <laughs> We'll get his get... voice, I'm sure. We'll get oh. his voice more than his, his face, I think. I just, the, like, the, this looks so, so low budget. Kevin, I know this was one you were, like, really excited for. You were really looking I forward mean, to I, it because you're such a big fan. This is what I expected it to be, to, <laughs> to be fair. I mean, for me watching that trailer, it was really cool because I'm like, ooh, I actually have that animatronic. Right. Ooh, I've, I've considered buying that one. So. I think for myself, the the attention to detail of like, you know, because I spend so much time in those stores uh, for a couple months a year, that'll be neat to see. But in terms of anything else, this does look like a big old stinker. Like kids. Oh, oh, uh, let's put these kids on a bike for a scene. OK, great. We've covered Stranger Things audience. We got them. OK, uh, <laughs> you know, like let's let's have this set in the spirit Halloween stores. Like I, I think it to me, it looked like an elongated advertisement. For Spirit Halloween, um, that's the kind of the quality that I got from it. I'm honestly, it it, it kind of feels like a wasted opportunity because, like, don't get me wrong, like I think those stores have uh, for a lot of folks, it's it's like that's the Halloween place, that's where we get our Halloween stuff. And for some kids, you know, that could be like a fun thing to do every Halloween. We get to go to the Spirit Halloween store, and I feel like this is kind of a wasted opportunity. I was like, I was kind of hoping they would go a little more creative, like. I feel like Kevin. I feel like you could write a better, a better movie than what I've seen in this trailer. Like, could they could they could have like established like the mythology of why the store is always appearing in abandoned pharmacies and LCBOs, and like you know uh, we could you know take the the staple decorations that you love and that you recognize and make them into these these characters that have an actual sort of canon or or myth to them. Instead, we're getting four teenagers fighting Halloween decorations the entire time and like Christopher Lloyd's at the beginning of the movie so you'll come see the movie <laughs> like that's 
I don't know, man. Yeah, it's that's very much what it feels like. Although, if you've seen any of the advertisements or Twitter videos that Spirit Halloween puts out, yeah. the production here, this looks Academy Award worthy <laughs> in comparison. So, yeah, unfortunately, that doesn't say much about the stuff Spirit Halloween generally puts together. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not the biggest Halloween fan. I, I refuse to go around your house because you have a animatronic clown that terrifies me. <laughs> uh, so this one is probably one I'll probably not go to see in theaters. But the vibe I got from the trailer, at least, seemed like it was very much like a like an 80s or 90s just kid adventure. Like That was the vibe they were going for, and they nailed it. I'm just not sure if that's a story we kind of need right now. Again, I think, Nate, your whole, the mythos behind why it comes and goes would be a lot more interesting than what we're getting to seem to be like someone died here and then the store came and now he's just possessing all these toys. Like yeah. it, it seems like they were just trying like, Oh, we need to do this. Like you were saying, we need to check these boxes. How do we go about doing that the easiest way? Like, so. like to the point where I could almost imagine spirit Halloween doing a little bit more marketing for this and putting out like, here's the shirt that the character or here's the costume packs of each of the characters. And like, the mom, some mom in a spirit house. Oh, honey, what about this one? Like from the movie we went to go see. No, I don't want to do that, mom. No, like that's, they're not even going to get that. They're not even going to get the, the kids wanting to dress up for this movie. And again, how cool would it have been if they made up their own, even if they made up their own new characters that sure they could sell as, as decorations afterwards. But, but this just really felt like they just didn't do a lot creatively. And I'm not saying that because it's a smaller budget that they, you know, that they they couldn't. Like, they absolutely could have been more creative with it. The creativity doesn't cost, well, it can in some instances. But for the most part, it doesn't cost that much more money uh, to, to, to maybe create some of these characters. And you could even do not, no CGI, I think, would have been even cooler. Because, again, it feels more like Halloween costumes. Like, I just don't know who, like, who do they, what... Why am I writing? I'm not a movie writer. Like, come on! Like, what? <laughs> I just so this, I didn't like this the trailer. It has a like earnest, scare, stupid vibe to it. It it just yeah. seems very uh, yeah. I don't think a lot of thought went into it. It was how can we make some money exploiting the name Spirit Halloween, and and here we are. That said, I will be watching this thing on October 11th, <laughs> 2022. I will be watching it the day I can't it comes wait out to hear about it's it. a uh, video on demand. So I will let everybody know in a Whatcha episode what I thought of uh, that, as I doubt we'll have a full review dedicated to mm -hmm. it. But speaking of Whatcha, I think it's time we move on and maybe allow you guys to talk about some things you've watched or read or played recently that you actually did enjoy, unlike watching that trailer. Uh, who wants to go first? I've been on a bit of a gaming kick recently. I picked up uh, or I upgraded my PlayStation Plus to the, the second tier so I could get access to some of that game catalog, uh, mainly f so I could play the game Stray. Yeah. Uh, that is a, I'm not sure if you know about the game, Kev, but you play as a cat in the cyberpunk world and it is so heartwarming. It's, it's, I, I really enjoy it. I spent hours playing it last night and I'll probably pick up the controller for a few more hours tonight. Uh, but yeah, that, and then another game I got off that, uh, the PlayStation uh, upgrade was Thomas was alone and it's just a, a lovely little platformer game puzzle platformer with uh, a bunch of colorful rectangles that have personality and uh, <laughs> I'd never thought I'd love a game like that so much but I'd really care for these colored rectangles yeah Thomas was alone is again like what, what how can you create incredible depth for characters that are literally squares like I think the people from the spirit Halloween movie trailer could really 
you could really learn a lot from Thomas Was Alone. Um, yeah, dude, I, I really dig Tom. Play Thomas Was Alone. Um, but uh, Stray, um, yeah, man, like what a an adorable main character in like one of the most depressing worlds ever because it, it gets so dark it gets so so bleak. so bleak and so sad at times with all these robot really? characters that you're talking to. oh yeah absolutely <laughs> but then you're like a little cat and then you scratch the walls and you like purr and like dude honestly i literally was like feeling really sleepy one time while i was playing it and i just put the cat to like the cat you can make it go to sleep and just purrs, and then the, the DualSense <laughs> controller kind of vibrates to the purring, and I just put that on my chest, and I was like, I feel like I'm just chilling with a little cat right now. It's so lovely. <laughs> so lovely. That's adorable. Yeah. That's adorable. Oh, those sound great. I might have to check those yeah. out. Uh, Nate, how about yourself? What you been up to? Uh, speaking of adorable, um, I watched all of Centaur World uh, on Darcy's uh, suggestion. Uh, Centaur World, if you don't, if you're not aware, is a series that uh, I think came out in 2021, um, and uh, and it's I think it's it's got two seasons. So I watched both seasons. First season was great. Second season not as great. Um, I don't know if they knew that they were doing a second season when they wrapped the first season, and that might be a little bit of the the disconnect. But I will say like. If you like musicals and you like Adventure Time, this this show is so fun. It's just such a, a lighthearted, you put it on for 20 minutes while you're having a quick meal and you'll just kind of smile and giggle while you're watching it. Um, Kimiko Glenn, who was in one of my other watches for Lies on Demand, uh, who plays Harlow in that YouTube series, um, she's the main character of Horse in this show. And... When in the in Lies on Demand, there's a musical episode, and I was watching it. I'm like, holy crap! This uh, Kimiko girl can really sing, and so then to see her show up in in Centaur World, I was so happy. And by the second song, I was like, this is like musical theater level style of of music, and it's it's really fun. I highly recommend it. Um, it's not really for kids. I think there's some jokes in it that kind of go a little bit like. <laughs> A little too far sometimes, but yeah. Did you watch any more of it, uh, Darcy? I've only finished the first season, and I uh, basically when you said Adventure Time, that's how it was pitched to me. Yeah, I would make an addendum to that. It's all the weirdest parts of Adventure yes, Time, that's true. basically, <laughs> yeah. because some of it is just bit like I need to watch something else because I can't remember. I can't really wrap my head around what just happened yeah. in this this cartoon show with centaurs. It's uh, again, it goes a bit too far sometimes, but it's also that's kind of the charm of the show is that it just. It doesn't know when to stop. And again, with the incredible music, you're like, I'm okay with it. It's, it's a very weird show to watch. Uh, Kev, I definitely think you would hate it. Yeah, Kevin, it's not, it's not <laughs> yes, a you show. It sounds, <laughs> sounds very much not a But when show, Flula yes. Borg shows up as a Moltar, which is a mole mm-hmm. centaur, <laughs> it's just fantastic. <laughs> it's just been, so it's just like one of those things. Like, Kevin, maybe if you had a little bit of, a uh, little bit of, you know, Stony Baloney, like a little bit of something, you might enjoy it, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but it's fantastic. No, I, you know, I, I think I'll, uh, I'll leave that one to the pros there, and uh, I'll let you guys enjoy that one. Alrighty, well, that's it for this week in Geek. Thanks for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review. We always appreciate the love. Hope you enjoyed it, and uh, if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, and if you want to write into uh, the show with your thoughts on this week's news or trailers. 
You could reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com, or if that's a bit too much, like a dated-looking stop-motion version of Pinocchio, Rude. hit us up on Twitter at GeekCentricYT <laughs> and on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. As always, we have plenty of awesome content to check out. The recent San Diego Comic-Con was a geeky delight with a ton of news, trailers, and a little bit of something for everyone. Check out our two episodes where we discuss all of the details and share what we're most excited for coming out of the convention. Plus, we always have reviews coming your way. Check out our spoiler-free reviews for the Netflix movies The Gray Man and Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Movie, as well as our review for the first season of the Apple TV Plus show Surface. We also have our reviews for Netflix's The Sandman and for Hulu slash Disney Plus's Prey coming your way very soon. But until next time, Nate Darcy, thanks for joining me for This Week in Geek. And as we say, love ya. Get home safe, guys. Laters.